So there I was. It's about the end of October. And I'm scrolling through Twitter and other various social media because, you know, life is meaningless and social media serves as a pretty good, I guess you could say, distraction from the fact of existence. And there I was looking at Brian Ruh's tweets. He's, you know, Brian Ruh, you know, that's a name out there. He wrote a book on Mamoru Hoshii. Gotta respect him. Got mentioned on the latest episode of Anime Yesteryear podcast. You know, shout out to that podcast. But all of that's some extra shit. Okay. So Brian Rupp, I don't know where he found it, but he found the most amazing, and why I mean amazing, god awful novel on on the Amazon Kindle. It's called The Shrine of Siren Song. Or Siren Stone. It doesn't really fucking matter. And um, the description was so amazing. And I'll just read it out loud to you. But it was so amazing that I had to read it. Here it goes. Ishiro is an otaku. An anime-obsessed geek without a decent job or loving parents. His only friends are Mr. Endo, owner of a maid cafe in Akihabara, and Yuko, a waitress in a French maid uniform. Ishiro... Fall in love with falls in love with Yuko, but she turns out to be an android, using him to learn about human love. Does she have real feelings for him, or is she just programmed to act like a girlfriend? When Mr. Endo splits the couple apart, Ishiro joins the Japanese Navy and goes to war, and Yuko's behavior becomes increasingly human and rebellious. Their paths cross again at the mysterious shrine of siren stone where a telepathic meteorite holds the secret of the human spirits but here's the thing as amazing as that a uh, little summary of this terrible kindle novel is the more i looked into this novel and its author derwin mack it's like the more amazed i am that i found such as Little Jim. Because here's the thing about Darren Mack. Darren Mack, I had no idea who the hell he is. He's this random Asian-Canadian author. And I guess that's not particularly amazing. But what's really amazing is that he's also part of the Monarchist League of Canada. And he actively advocates that we switch back, well, not we, Canadians, I guess you could say we too. I, you would include like all of humanity or whatever. That Canada switch back to a monarchy, and like looking at his blog, I think he's actually really serious. Like he's like he really is that like that dude who watched Legend of the Galactic Heroes and said, "Yeah, the Empire had it right," and it and like. Here's why I say it's real. One, I'm checking out his personal blog. And, like, the first post on there, one of the earliest posts on there is, like, him commenting on how sci-fi cons, like, like need to not have the British flag upside down. And how he, we, sci-fi fans, need to respect the flag. Well, I think specifically Doctor Who. It was like he was going to like a sci-fi con for a Doctor Who thing. And he was just like, yeah, we need to respect the country that makes Doctor Who. And um, 
I'm reading the novel, and it's like the more I read the like the more I think about that in the context of the novel, the more the novel just like makes sense. So this novel, and I suppose probably all the writing at Derwin Mac is the most conservative novel and espouses, I suppose you could say, a monarchist spirituality that encompasses not just what humans should do, but what all sentient beings should do, who possess some sort of soul in the spiritual realm, wherein we need to all bow down before the emperor, the one who has the divine right of rule. And this is racial, political, and, as I mentioned before, spiritual. That's, 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 that's the, I guess, maybe that's the point of the novel, but I guess I'll talk about the novel for a little bit. So, I guess I should make no, it's not, how should I say this? It makes sense that staunch conservatives would hate otaku. What is an otaku? An otaku, well, according to Derwin Mack, is a pathetic human being who does not know how to interact with each other, with other human beings, and would probably be the fools who um, would fall in love with an android and, like, do all sorts of disgusting things that an upright moral person would not do. How we, at the Daily Anime Podcast, when I mean we, I mean I, interpret an otaku. An otaku is a hyper-consumer who has mastered a specific set of knowledge pertaining to a particular set of uh, objects that they can consume. Like, yeah, a geek. Pretty simple. Um, But I'm sure that Derwin Mac would oppose how I read otaku as representing the sort of um, I guess, like, a potential, on the one hand, the ideal consumer, um, or niche consumer, and, but in being a niche also is, like, a potential fissure in the capitalist ideals, but that's, that's for another thing, and that's how any of you would know me reading this, um, I am probably one of the people that Derwin Mack would label one of his political enemies. Um, you know, I'm not exactly about the existence of nation-states, and I don't exactly believe in the divine right of kings. Off with the king's head. But, that's that's some extra shit. I need to not get on that extra shit. So, the reason why I don't want to get on that extra shit is because this novel is actually pretty amazing. Um, even though it's actually terribly written, um, even though no one is particularly believable, none of these characters are likable. Um, and it is kind of the weird conservative fantasies of this strange man. Um, it's very interesting. But maybe like dialing back, how I said that the otaku, even though it is, the otaku tends to be the 
the high points of consumption, uh, but can also be like a fissure in that image because otaku also do things like write fan fictions and draw things and do plenty of things that involve fandom that don't involve profit. Um, I suppose you could say that Darwin Mac probably also sees a level of potential in the otaku where our otaku protagonist is very, very intelligent. And even though he can't, um, be like a normal person, at least in the beginning of the novel, he becomes like an upright person who can contribute to uh, the Japanese Empire and um, the Japanese Navy in its new parts of being, I guess you could say, its new, more militant role in the New World Order, where it's standing side by side with its imperial cons- co-conspirators, the United States and the United Kingdom, and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, the novel. I, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Ishiro. Otaku. It starts off Thanksgiving. And he's eating fried chicken at a May cafe. And there are several pages about how he's commenting about how amazing fried chicken is. And he's wondering why Americans don't see it as a delicacy. And just kind of have it as like this... I guess you could say throwaway meal. And um, I guess there's that difference between Americans wanting to eat turkey and Japanese people eating fried chicken because they don't have ovens or whatever. But um, that's one of like the small details that I guess you could say um, kind of get forgotten as the novel goes on. They just kind of go on to building Ishiro as like this pathetic character who's just like... Why do I have to dress up when I'm going on this date? I should just be myself. And um, Indo, the May Cafe owner dude, is just like, dude, dress up. Like, don't don't go on a, about otaku stuff. Go go be like a normal human being. <laughs> Reform yourself. And oh. Uh, I don't know how much I want to talk about it because I don't want to talk about this novel in order because it's just kind of, it's just kind of more ridiculous and anybody who'd like want to sit through and read this novel, my heart goes to you. I'm reviewing this now because I have so much to say. Um, what's interesting is that there's one anime that Ishiro really likes that is literally about um, someone overthrowing Japan, just finally gets rid of the prime minister, stops this democracy nonsense, reinstates the role of the emperor, and starts becoming the great empire it once was, and faces its destiny. And, like, this organization is created by the man responsible for that anime, and, like, I guess maybe all, like, the stuff about it. And Ishiro is a big fan of this dude. And he, like, really loves that anime. And he is inspired, partially, to join the Navy because of this man. And it's so funny to me. Because there's so much anime right now that's just trying to deal with the role of Japan 
in the Empire and more, I guess, maybe specifically of the role that the media has in portraying the Japanese self-defense force. And in the anime, like, in the anime, <laughs> in in the novel, um, they don't really go into the media as much as they do in, like, several anime, like, Several anime that came out, Gate is the one that really stands out in my mind about how um, there are some in the media who want to go after the Japanese self-defense force, the people who would lay their lives on the line for Japan and whatever, whatever, and um, like they try to portray the JSDF or whatever is bad for all of its amazing military adventures in an alternate dimension. Um, and I imagine that, like... A lot of that really reactionary, um, how dare you (laughs) talk bad about the military and our warrior class, you liberal Democrats and anarchists and communists. Um, Yeah, there's a part in the novel where um, after joining the Navy and reforming himself and learning that life isn't just about him and that it's about other people too and that he should be willing to put his life on the line for his country and his fellow crew. Um, Ishiro joins the same organization led by the man who created that right-wing anime and they're all like conspiring and um, he's given out, the man who's like leading the organization is given out like special collectibles from the show <laughs> and not only is he getting all of his otaku um stupid otaku toys but he's also just like sitting around talking about their armed forces and like their military capabilities and they're like planning out coups and i guess spoilers um ishiro while he gets separated from Yuko, the maid robot, um, they keep writing letters back and forth to each other, and, um, like, they make out at some point, and it's, like, really weird, because you're just like, ugh, making out with her feels so, like, like, making out with a real woman, I'm just like, you never made out with a real girl in your life, but, I mean, I was like, wow, it's like, this part of the novel is incredibly horny, like, it is incredibly just, like, really into the details about, like, making out with someone. And I'm just like, whoa. Making out with robots. Nice. (laughs) Nice. And I guess it's kind of funny in that some of this actually does remind me of um, the terrible Yukio Mishima, well, maybe not terrible, the great Yukio Mishima short story I read, Patriotism or Yukoku. In the kanji, it actually just means, like, sorrowful country or whatever. Where Yukoku is also just, like, incredibly horny at some parts. But, um, that's some other things. I guess I also kind of want to go to, there's that, there's that whole thing about anime and otaku and the right wing. And the right wing, I guess, infiltration of anime circles or whatever. But there's this weird, like, reference to Solaris where they have this expedition to Mars and on the expedition to Mars, um, like, all the scientists, like, see their dead relatives or whatever. And, um, 
Like, once a meteorite from that, like, falls in the Japanese countryside and people say that they can see the ghosts of their loved ones there and there's that element going in there and I'm kind of not sure what's going on and it makes itself apparent at the end, which I guess I'll just go ahead and give away the ending. I don't, like, if giving away the ending, I've already spoiled quite a bit, giving away the ending is going to, like, get you to not read the novel, I don't feel so bad. Um, I mean, like, sure, Derwin Mac probably needs money to, uh, put food on the table and make more terrible novels and all, but I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna spoil it right here. So, um, after reforming himself and, um, he actually becomes, like, a fairly celebrated, uh, military officer, and, uh, he participates in several battles, and he dies. And after he dies... Like, before he dies, like, he sent a letter to Indo saying that he wanted to be, um, enshrined. After his Buddhist, um, funeral, he wants to have a Shinto funeral, and he wants to be enshrined at the Yasukuni Shrine. Yasukuni Shrine is also, like, um, a real place where all the right-wing people, like, meet up and, like, have their own meetings about, like, how... They think that the country should go and, like, how they should, like, reject all these military treaties and rearm, whatever, whatever, whatever. And Yasukuni Shrine rejects them, and but the priest there says, hey, there's this other shrine that you can enshrine them at. And the thing is, a meteorite that fell, you know, from the stone where all the people, all the Solaris Stone, we're just going to call it the Solaris Stone. Um, Solaris Stone, like... He gets enshrined there because they build a shrine there. And there, um, they take the robot and Endo and his family go to see him. And the robot, Yuko, like, she sees his ghost. And I guess they start making out. And, like, she starts talking to him and stuff. And he decides to give her and all of her kind um, a soul. So now that they have free will, um, she can, like, rightfully decide make decisions on her own, and then there's, like, this giant meteorite coming towards the Earth, and then she decides to give her life for, like, the country, the same country that he gave his life for, and, um, yeah, she gets brought back, and, um, basically, she becomes, like, a god to all the robots, um, because, uh, human sentience started with her, and she keeps going back to that shrine for eight millennia or whatever. And it just goes on and on. And, like, I'm like, aw. So, you never did get to have sex, did you, man? That's sad. But at least you got to make out with the robot. It's a good ending. But, yeah, that's... There's a lot more. Um, There's a lot of stuff about Arabs. A lot of stuff about Islam. Um, it's a mess. It's a hot mess. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm reading this, like, at debate tournaments, just kind of like, well, I don't really want to pay attention to this round, so I'm going to read this terrible novel. Don't worry, I wasn't judging around. I was just sitting in rounds, not... When I judge around, I take my job kind of seriously, but that's his own thing. But yeah... Terrible novel. Go read it. Terrible author. Go read all his other works. I probably won't read anything else that he writes. 
Unless I get a specific request, and then I actually probably would. Or unless I get super bored in the future, which I feel like is actually probable. Um, but yeah. Thanks for listening. This is one of the political enemies of Darwin Mack, um, self-proclaimed anarchist, signing out.